Yeah, here. We're fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Get in the Garage. I'm your host, Mike. With me, as always, we've got Jeff. Hey, hey. And Luke. What's up? What's going on, guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We made it to 2021. Once more around the sun, like Mastodon said. <sighs> yes, indeed. Yep. Another year closer to the sun itself just swallowing us up. So. And well, hopefully not in our lifetime. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's already we're already burning down here in different <laughs> ways, to be real. Um, Singularity is only 20 years away. Yeah, well. Well, you know what, though? And let me just say, to that point, Jeff, the Doobie Brothers are planning on releasing an album in 2021. So we have a lot to look forward to. Are they like holograms now? They're, aren't they all dead or 80 years really old? I don't know. I saw a picture of them, and let me tell you. More like the Doobie Grandfathers. <laughs> the do- yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, man. Michael McDonald, he's still kicking it. He's like 68, probably. They don't, you know, to be fair, they don't look terrible. I'm looking at a picture of them right now. Yeah, I mean, a life on the road, smoking tons of cigarettes and drinking all the time. You age fine like age like fine wine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Doobie Brothers, except Michael McDonald, the rest of them like weren't real, and they would just keep placing like new. <laughs> you know what real. I'm saying? Like new members in, like Menudo. They yeah. just were. <laughs> the only guy that I, I can I name. Like I only can name Tom Johnston. I think was a guitar player and singer, and then. Jeff Skunk Baxter, who was also a guitarist oh, yeah. for the first three Steely Dan albums. The Skunk. Yep. He's not um, like a he's not like a military defense contractor. No, he's not. I'm telling you, for like the last twenty five years. Of course he is. Because he like yes. works on missile defense systems or something. Weird. Nice. Good for yeah. him. Well, I mean, good for him. At least he, you know, he has a fallback. Yeah. Serving fallback. this country. Yeah. Um so yeah, to kind of get on top, to get on topic, um, what are there any albums that you guys are excited about for 2021? Because let me tell you, I did some research of like some of the more anticipated albums of ah, the year, yes. and I found quite a few that I'm pretty excited about. I will say some I was surprised about. They I did find a couple really good uh, metal band Ooh. albums that there are expected to release in uh in 2021 including evanescence so i'm real excited uh, yeah wake me up yeah wake me up inside <laughs> yeah. wake up. that one's a bit rough so, <laughs> that one's a bit that one's a bit rough uh no but there's like i think yeah alice cooper's gonna come out with a new album billy gibbons a solo album what year is it? Nineteen eighty one? Dude, for real, sticks. <laughs> what are you? It's one. Oh, hey, surprise, surprise! Every Dude. album is called One Last Money Grab. There's a Bob Dylan. Oh, Bob Dylan with special guest George Harrison. Bob Dylan, nineteen seventy. Yes. Oh, I was gonna say, George Harrison died twenty years ago. So what are you talking about? KK <laughs> Downing from the band Judas Priest is yeah. going to release an album called KK Priest. Really. Getting creative with the fucking name on that one. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, Jesus! Thank you. I'm just 
Thank you for the metal news. Yeah, yeah man, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> this week is a half dead musician. <laughs> One foot in the grave. Hey, hey, there's a Barry Gibb album dropping. That, oh, I'm, that I'm that excited about. Rather oh, these fuck, fuck you guys. I've heard some tracks from it already. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. So, so the Barry Gibb album is all Barry Gibb, BG's pen songs from the last 50 years that are duets of with Barry Gibb and current country singers. Current country singers. Yeah, man. He released a track recently with Dolly Parton. He released a track a couple months ago. I think it was Jason Isbell. But what I've heard so far, it's good stuff. I mean, listen, you, know, you all I'm saying is, man, is you think that the Barry Gibb album will even stand a chance up against the new Sammy Hagar album? Like, <laughs> you are out of your fucking mind. Okay. Cool. Cool. He's wow. got Michael Anthony singing those beautiful falsettos. And he's got John, or he's got Jason Bonham. So this is Chickenfoot, then the powerhouse, right? Isn't that oh, their I'm... band? That's no, it's Chad Smith's on drums on that one. It's called Sammy Hagar and the Circle. The Circle Jerk. They cover the Who's Won't Get Fooled Again and ACDC's Whole Lot of Rosie. So you know what? Uh, Barry Gibb can suck it. Mike, did you even watch the yeah. HBO doc? Oh, I almost, I almost, I, I got like halfway through it. No, I, I really don't mean to throw stones because I'm, I'm obviously just joking. Like I'm, I would imagine the Gib, the Gib album is going to be way fucking better. Yeah. I, I watched like half of it. It was amazing, man. The, the half that I saw. Yeah. Oh, so it's crazy. Cause you know, what's funny is I remember a couple of years ago, right. Buying the, uh, the first Bee Gees album thinking like, oh, this would be cool. And I put it on and it's so Beatles. Right. It is so Beatles. It like really blew my mind. And then, How like, can I remember. <laughs> I mean, not for nothing. I mean, the guys can sing. They sing in their way, which like works because they all kind of have that like. Yeah, that weird, like. Warbly <laughs> type of thing. But it, it works. It's like, it's kind it. of like when you have two slightly out of tune instruments playing together, it kind of works. What I think is crazy is okay. So wait, what were the three? Who were the three Gibbs? Barry, Morris, Barry, and uh, Robin. 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 Which one was the? Who's? Which one is the one that? Um, okay, so Bar- well, Barry Gibb. That's like he's like the, the long hair. One. Yeah, he's the oldest one. Yeah, and then there's Morris had the beard and was slightly balding and played like bass. Okay, yeah. And Robin was like the skinniest one. Yeah, like the blonde haired one. Yeah. The more like lighter features. Yeah. Uh, what I found was weird was the middle one looked more like Barry Gibb than Barry Gibb looked like later. You mean their younger brother? No, not the youngest Andy one. Andy Gibb? No. Oh, maybe Andy Gibb. How many Gibbs are there? Oh, my God. All right. There were Michael, four. All right. Oh, I thought there were three. That's why. Well, there there were three in the Bee Gees, but like in the mid seventies, their younger brother, who was like eight to ten years younger than them, oh, went so, had a solo career, and he had like yeah, 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 some yeah, yeah. Teen Idol songs when he was like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old. Okay, okay, okay. You gotta right. watch the doc, man. It's- yeah, yeah, you gotta watch been, the doc. I know it's been like that's what I mean. I I don't really remember all of it. That's why like I'm spotty on it. My but favorite anyway. part was was Eric Clapton being like, "Yeah, I don't want to take credit, but you know, I'll take credit." <laughs> for for their Miami sound. Yes. Oh, really? Because they stayed yeah. at the same house where he recorded 461 Ocean Boulevard or whatever the album is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's like where they made their headquarters for the next like 10 years. Well, 
did all their disco say, stuff. I'll say this. Speaking of music like the Bee Gees, another album that's set to drop in 2021 is Rob Zombie's new album. Oh, my God. Uh, and I'm really... I'm really... I just can't wait. Highly anticipated. Uh, Todd I Rundgren do like has Rob, a new album coming out. I do like out. Rob Zombie and White Zombie from the 90s, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. He sings like this. Yeah. Jeff- Jeffrey, do you have any anticipated records that you are excited to hear in the new year? I do. Only only one is actually confirmed, confirmed. And it's probably out of the ones I'm thinking about, maybe my least anticipated. Because he puts out so much music that it's like, well, I like some of the stuff he does, but it's kind of an onslaught of material. But that's Drake's new album, Certified Lover Boy. It's supposed to come out sometime this month. Right on. Um, mm. I'm kind of like, I was Are big got- into Drake, like the album cuts like five years ago. And now it's kind of like, I listen to the pop hits and I don't really get too deep into it. But I'm always like, I'm always willing to let Drake pull me back, you know, into his orbit. Yeah. Cause I, like, you know, he's, if it's good, it's good. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, I, I like the singing and rapping and I love the textures of his music and beats and stuff. Um, so that's coming out this month, supposedly. It was supposed to be January 1st, but of course it hasn't happened. So who knows when it will come out. Another one that's supposedly supposed to come out this year is by a singer that I really like. Her name is Sky Ferreira. She's a singer and actress. She last put out an album in 2013 called Nighttime My Time, which is a great kind of dancey, grungy album. Uh, produced by Ariel Reichscheid, who is the producer behind Heim and Vampire Weekend. Her new album, Masochism, is supposed to come out this year. But then again, that's another one where like they announced that it was coming out in 2016, and then in 2018, and then in 2019. So it's like, who knows when it'll come out? Yes. Um, And then the other ones I'm really looking forward to are more like, I just... You know, I go to sleep and I just wish that they come out, but who knows if they will. And those would be Kendrick Lamar's follow-up to Damn, um, because he's supposed to be in the studio working a bunch of stuff. And Damn came out four years ago. Um, Another one, Rihanna. Her last album was in 2016, Anti, which is my favorite Rihanna album. So, you know, maybe she'll come out with something this year. Uh, Tierra Wack, who is more of an independent hip-hop soul type of artist. Her last project, Whack World, came out in 2018. I don't know if you guys checked that out, but that's definitely worth checking out. What that album is, is it's 15 one-minute songs that she released as like just uh, like a compilation of YouTube videos. And they're all a minute, or they're all between 58 seconds and a minute because she premiered them on, on her Instagram page. In 2018. Oh. They are awesome, man. I'm telling you, it's 15 songs. They're all minutes. So it only takes you 15 minutes to watch it. Check it out on YouTube for real. It's it's amazing. Whack World by Tierra Whack. So <laughs> she's released a couple singles in the past three years. I hope she comes out with another full length and even maybe like a, a more fuller length than 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Adele's last album, 25, was in 2015. So it's been six years now. or you know, coming up on six years. So maybe she'll put out something else. I, I'm not huge into Adele, but 
everything she puts out, I enjoy all of, and I really like, you know, I really love half at least of every album she puts out and the other half, you know, I enjoy, but I just, you know, don't play to death. And then of course, last project released in 2016, like probably my favorite contemporary, like artist who is our age range. And that's Frank Ocean, the soul hip hop R&B singer. Um, yeah, Blonde came out in 2016. So like, I hope he puts out something because he took four years in between his first and second album. And now it's coming up on five years. And like, he is, he's, he's the songbird of our generation type of guy. So I hope mm. he puts out something new. So those are what I'm, my, my expectations or hopes and dreams are to see albums yeah. by those people. Cause you know, the quarantine, maybe a lot of people spent time just buckling down and working on material and I, I yeah. can only hope. Right on. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Luke? Um, you know, I was listening to like an interview with Jim James today, uh, frontman of My Morning Jacket. They released uh, The Waterfall 2. Yeah, I liked two. that album. Yeah, the companion to 2016's The Waterfall. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed that album, The Companion, so well. That's like one of the, like, the only like not one of the only but like released way later records that made sense with the original record so well um and i really liked them together and i was listening to him talk and he said he had at least another whole album recorded ready to go of new material as that one was uh made mostly when the original album was recorded in 2016 so i'm really looking forward to a new my morning jacket because those are getting like four years in between now like yeah. every record so they've been one exciting. of my favorite bands since like 2005 when i i bought z yeah i just love like the guitar like the imagine the imaginative guitar work on it like yeah. it's all that yeah it always throws me like for a loop and even if it's them like on at least on the waterfall part two there's a lot of like um r&b take right and like some one uh, at least like in one of the tracks heavily and uh you know, I just enjoy to see them take on that kind of thing as opposed to like from their first album, which was like psychedelic, like country, you know, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. like pulled out of the swamp kind of thing. Yeah, they're but. they're a great band. If 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 you guys out there don't know my morning jacket, please get deep into them. Yeah, because I mean, and it's not just like great guitar work either. I mean, there's tons of other stuff. The vocals are uh, obviously like one of the biggest uh you know, uh, things that jump out at you at first as they're mostly sung in falsetto and, you know, very layered at times. And there's a lot of cool stuff going on with that band. I love and the I'm keyboards. Really... I love Bo Coster's keyboards. Yeah, a lot of great keyboard work on their stuff too. That's a great... great Carl Bramble's uh, um, guitar stuff. Yeah, I just can't, you know, I'd like to see what they came up with during this time of like just, you know, having time to write and stuff. So yeah. um, another one I would be looking forward to is... um. Wilco, I uh, they released one. I think it might have been early last year. Uh, I think in like the middle of winter, or like it, maybe it was 2018 uh, in the winter. But um, I'm really excited to hear if they come out with a record because I know how uh, prolific Jeff Tweedy can be. Um, so I'm hoping there's like a really you know something cool, maybe something to do with the times. Because I mean, I'm just a big Wilco fan, um, and I really Same. enjoy the work. And I like to hear, you know, Jeff Tweedy, like, his songwriting is just, like, get it, it you know, it, it, 
it's not something I want to listen to all the time, but like when they release a new record, like I want to see what, what's going on. Cause sometimes it's really interesting and I like how I don't like some of the records and then I'm obsessed with other records, even like new ones that come out to this day. So um, I'd really like to see something. What's your favorite Wilco album? Uh, really it's star Wars from, I think 2016. Oh. Okay. That, I love that. I love that album. I really love Star Wars. It's so good. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the whole love. I think that might be to do have to do with that being the first Wilco record I really got my hands on. Um, you know, and obviously the classic classic is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Mm. That you know, everyone should know. Yeah, the first one I bought was uh, I think it's from like 1995. I think it's their second album. It's a double album called Bean There. Yes, great record. But yeah, I mean, Yankee Hotel, Foxtrot is a masterpiece. Ghost is Born is great. That was the one after Yankee Hotel, Foxtrot. Yeah, there's a ton of great Great, great band. That's Nels great Klein, band. man. Check out the jazz guitar work of Wilco guitarist Nels Klein. Oh, just some great Mad stuff. Madman. Pedal, pedal insanity. Yeah, I really mm. enjoy, especially because like uh, Jeff Tweedy's been more vocal about like his songwriting process like as of late and he's uh, written a book. So I just like, you know, the openness of like maybe the songwriting getting in like a different direction is something I like look forward to as a local fan. And, you know, I'm i uh, I'm down to listen. I like it. So that's like something I'd be very interested in looking forward to in the new year. Mm. Yeah. You know, nice. I'm- I, I, I would like to add a couple yeah. that I'm actually serious about. Look here. For the first ones I talked about, I was kind of messing myself. So. <clears throat> no, but like Luke, I was trying to remember: Are you a Melvin's guy? Because there is February twenty sixth. There's a new Melvin's album that is uh, set to be released. See, I like the um some of the stuff I've listened to, but I, that's one I haven't like d- uh, delved too deeply on. Most right, right. It's, it's very like riff centric, and you know, I like more of a a melody. Gotcha. It's why gotcha. I'm, a, uh, I'm a. I just couldn't remember if you were into them or not. No, I, I, I dig, I dig. You know, it's just you know, if I'm gonna. It's not a regular listen. No, yet. if I'm gonna listen to like you know, a gra- it's like there's other bands. For I'm me, more but... of a Pixies guy. There you go. Okay. When it comes yeah. to that kind of era, genre-ish of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give me some uh, Rivers Euphrates, you know. Mm. Um. Right on. Okay. Well. Jeff, we were just talking about Mastodon. They're supposed to be coming out with a new album this year, too. Yeah, man. I I mean, Mastodon is one of my favorite current metal bands. I think Def Def Heaven is coming out with a new album this year. Oh, I think, yeah. I think think Baroness is supposed to come out with a new album this year. Baroness, yeah. Uh, King Diamond is set to release another album this Mm -hmm. year, which, I mean, King Diamond's an acquired taste for a lot of people, but, like, I'm into it. I like the weird satanic halloween uh (laughs) fucking uh, craziness because here's the thing man and this is for anybody who's listening like especially like people who are fans of the band ghost right yeah if you want like the og if you want the if you want where that came where the ghost thing came from well i mean ghost has influences of like blue oyster cult and other shit whatever but look no further man king diamond all day um and then another album that i'm excited about this year would be from the band Carcass. Ooh, dark. Um, Carcass is yeah. Uh, honestly, man, I I I absolutely love the band Carcass, and um, you know they were they're kind of like 
I should look at actually see what they're considered that, you know, what, you know, cause everything has a sub genre now. So, you know, but it's like, I feel like only metal has this, like only metals have a, a, a sub genres now. Like, has, they, it it's was, so, so yeah, yeah. It's so dissected into what it needs to be. And yeah, like I feel like most music is moving away from that where metal's just like, nope, we're just going to dig deeper, dig the heels in. Yeah, we're not and, jump, I mean, we're this metal ba- we're not death yeah, metal, we're scream metal, we're you know, right, right, we're black metal, we're doom metal. We're... Yeah, and that's the thing is like it, it, it gets to be a little bit too much sometimes. But I will say that when it comes to Carcass, because I think you know, I'll just fact check real quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, they 1986, so they're you know they were like really one of the big bands that kind of helped solidify like the yeah like grindcore or like gore grind yeah. as they call it yeah we're just like you know <laughs> a little bit of that but actually but actually uh, a, a bit more audible lyrics oh, not, okay. not, like it wasn't it wasn't going like into like cannibal corpse territory oh okay that's what, you know I, what I mean it was a little bit yeah no um but yeah, I love Carcass, and I'm excited about that too. Uh, I mean, I can't remember the last time I actually like listened to a metal metal album. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while for me too. Like, don't get me wrong, but like you know, just in, like trying to find out what albums are coming out this year. Inevitably, you find like the the heavy, the most anticipated heavy metal album lists and stuff for 2021. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like you know. lists like this aren't really happening anymore a lot because uh, the surprise drop album is like the new Vogue. Yeah. Um, it used to like it used to be like the Instagram creep was like a couple years ago where you'd like get the white Instagram page, yeah, you get right. one photo, right? So this was the marketing strategy for a long time, and then they like, put like eight frames up so when you look at the big picture, it makes a big picture of the album artwork and stuff. Yep, release one every day for a week. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Tons of bands were doing that. Yep, and uh, now the marketing strategy is surprise. It's the element of surprise. Oh my god, this new album's out. We weren't even expecting it. You know, it hit the industry so hard. It's you know, yeah. left turn. It's so different. That's what it, it is now. And I feel like that's where like this is going to be like oh, like you're going to be like in in quarantine like 20 years from now we're going to be like Bob Dylan recorded 500 albums. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we didn't even know. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just like he's releasing new music every year. <laughs> But that's what I'm talking about. It's like that kind of yeah. thing. It's like, you know, we really don't know what's going on because I feel like a lot of people are being way more secretive about uh, how they're recording nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also I, mean, I also think that's a strategy on the on part of the artists too because I feel like it's a way to throw – to um, one, it like helps them recreate their uh, persona as an artist and like create a whole new branding thing for them. And that's like what a lot of the new album uh, turn is now, because I feel like a lot of, uh, especially now in COVID where touring's not a thing, you're going to see a lot more like a big glitz and glam, I think of um, like marketing on like an online kind of platform really, really, really hard and abrasively and very different for like an artist. I think that's like what it's going to happen because if touring's not a thing, I think, the visual online thing might really come into to play. Well, speaking, I mean, especially with kinda, the element of surprise. To kind of get in, to to kind of branch into like one of the other things that we want to talk about. Then, like, what do you guys think is going to happen in terms of live music? I mean, do you think it's going to be like? Because I, I, what I foresee is 
kind of like what comedy is doing right now, where it's like drive-in shows and, you know, like you basically do a show at like a drive-in movie theater or something like that. Yeah, I I, you know? I went to a local drive-in concert last summer and, you know, they were happening sporadically last summer and it's successful, but it's also the thing of like, if you just look at America at large, like at some point people are just getting so sick of being secluded that I don't, I think a lot of festivals are just going to plan ahead and just go with it this summer and just like, kind of like throw caution to the wind. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't think it's the smartest thing. Cause like, I think we'll only all be vaccinated like literally in a year from now. But uh, I I like the driving idea. I think it's a good idea. I think it's it's a worthwhile thing to do. But, you know, then you got to hire security to make sure people aren't mixing and stuff like that. And I don't know. I don't think on a large scale it really works. Like, I think it works if you're having a crowd of 500 people, but not if you're trying to, like, yeah. have a venue where it has 5,000 people. I, right. I this you want to know like what my hope and dream is yes. I hope I hope small venues uh open like open up where people because I it, like I really heard today too you know because I said I was listening to that Jim James interview he made a great point of every band is going to hit the road at the same time yeah every single major band in America in the world is going to hit the stage at the same time how's that even going to happen so I feel like there might be a, a large push for smaller venues more intimate touring different things big bands doing small venues just because they can yeah. or it's the only place they can book um it's like do double do double the shows but yeah and I jack that and much, yeah, double the ticket price you know rent a place rent a not, theater that is a thousand person capacity normally and only let 200 people in and just charge 150 dollars for the tickets instead of 60 yeah, yeah, I think like people haven't gone to shit in a year. They'll pay you 150 bucks. I th- oh yeah. I really hope it also steps up, um, like live, uh, like music and like really makes it like more of a. Because as of late, like really, I really kind of this is what I really don't like about live music now. Like when you go to a show, like I went and saw the Goo Goo Dolls a couple years ago because I got free tickets. But, um, Why don't you slide? Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you guys. They played an encore that nobody wanted. And I'm, I was just like, I'm tired of bands doing this. Don't come out for the encore if nobody wants it. You're half the crowd's leaving. Like, play, you know what I mean? It's just like, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I hope, like, the, the playing becomes better. Bands become more in tune with what's going on. and Yeah, it, like, weeds out the bullshit. Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of that. I hope, like, the, the 10 o'clock curfews for the venues are, like, going to really stop. Like, that kind of thing. 11 o'clock, yeah. noise has to cancel. Like, what happened to, like, the it might go it might go all night kind of vibe. You know, anything could happen. Yeah. So, I hope maybe some of that comes back with, like, you know, people really wanting it more. But we'll see. Those, those are my hopes and dreams. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think you know we're gonna we're gonna adapt no matter what but like like you said jeff like i mean the vaccine is is now actually happening and it's available so i think at this point it's just the waiting game it's like just wait for all you know the vaccine to be distributed and everybody to get vaccinated and things to kind of tidy up a little bit in that in that arena you know what i mean and then i mean we'll be able to fucking go to shows i mean you know you see driving concerts don't sound terrible to me so you Mm -hmm. know that doesn't sound terrible to me either. I th- I thought I thought the 
what, uh, what comedian was it that did the first like drive-in comedy show? I think Colin Quinn. Didn't Colin Quinn do? He did one of them. A bunch of people did last summer. Whitney, Whitney Cummings, Burt Kreischer. Yeah. Um, Mark so, so yeah, I think that just that just in the same way that um, comedy is a performing art, that it's likewise so is music. So you know, what's the difference? Does it make if it's a comedian up on a stage in front of a bunch of cars or a band? You know, Garth Garth Brooks did a driving concert that he filmed in front of nobody and then played at drive-ins. Didn't know if you guys knew that. I did, and I, I actually oh. was just going to say, I think that's a novel idea that works, and I'm down with. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm down like, the, the concert films. You know, you see the the people are live on stage, but if you see them, you know, outside in Hartford or whatever, it's like you're 350 yards away from the stage anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, it, I think it would be cool if they did, like, record a concert from wherever safe location like that afternoon it's all videoed up it's all production they get like two hours to like figure out camera angles and stuff like that and then just pipe it into a screen at the venue mm-hmm. that way it's still an individual oh, yeah. experience and it's not just like the same show being shown all across america but right. i mean i'm down with that shit man it's all smoke and mirrors anyway it's entertainment so like who cares yeah yeah, but, but I say all knowing that I live music, fifty percent of why you're there is the communal feeling with the other people in the audience. Yeah, right. So like, like that stuff is just yeah. And... Unfortunately, it suffers because we just can't be arm in arm with each other right now. Right. Right. But hopes hopes for things to get better yeah. though in the near future. Go hopes, support hopes. support uh, local artists because yeah. they're the ones who are going to be playing these bars when they open up that can only really seat 35 people or whatever in each venue like just pay yeah. the pay the 10 15 dollar cover and go see some local live artists yeah i mean yeah well i wanted to ask you guys what um are, is, are there any albums that have dropped already that you're getting into i mean i know we're only on the fourth of january but like what are you are, are there any like I mean, I only have I only have one album that literally came out January second. Oh, I have I don't know of anything enjoying. that came out this week. Um, oh, the new Paul McCartney, but that was before. Yeah, that was December tenth or something. I listened to that. Yeah. yeah Respect it's not bad. to the OG. I mean, it's not it's yeah. not great, but yeah, it's not bad. It's good. It's good music. It's not going to live in my heart forever, but it was good music. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, Luke, did you get to listen to it yet? Uh, no, I kind of avoid McCartney after the album cover with the chair. Um, I just really don't think the materials like all that uh, up my alley. Not that it's not great. It's just not my up my alley even. So I just yeah. I kind of avoid it. Um, that one with the chair, I think it's from like 2005. I think it, I don't remember what it was called, but it had um, that great like ukulele song called like Dance Tonight. Maybe it's from Is that Chaos and Creation in the Backyard? It might be. It's like everybody's going to dance tonight. Uh, I really kind of like that record. That one was cool. Oh no, That's Memory cool. Almost Full. It's the one after yeah. Chaos and Creation. Yeah, Memory Almost Full. I never That's, listened to that one. It wasn't a bad record, and I really liked that oh. one. Um, uh, but everything kind of after that that came out new, um, wasn't really into that record. It just wasn't my style at all. So I kind of just um, you know, say right on to Paul McCartney, and a lot of people really like that record, you know. So right on to them, and glad he's releasing music. I guess, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah man, he's, the, he's right the last on. immortal still walking the earth. Yeah. Him and Keith Richards. Who's putting out music, I should say, in a like, you know, really it, yeah, trying to do it. That's what the other thing too. I'm just like I'm like, well, if you want to make music, man, make music because yeah. like you're right. Like it's Keith Richards isn't like coming out with new like music all. And no. Neither, no, they're not like. Pro- like Stevie Wonder hasn't made an album in 35 years. Thank you, Jeffrey. As I've been on a the the the, the biggest what if of music in the past 50 years is why did Stevie Wonder basically stop recording in 1980? Oh, he, he, when he was that, when he was third. Let's when he was literally. 30 years old yeah it's insane like, what the fuck i don't even understand that <laughs> i had no understanding of that decision jeffrey is the only person that's ever really real made me realize this because uh not a lot of people i know listen to stevie wonder on a normal basis but um besides that the genius of stevie wonder is like insane and then you're just like wait what there's n- he's he's there but he just doesn't do it what it doesn't yeah. make any sense. I mean, he plays the hits, and you know, I guess in that way, like think of the great jazz artists. A lot of them were prolific for 10, 12 years, and then they spent the next 20 years playing those charts with different band members around the world. So, like, do your thing. But yeah, but Stevie Wonder, it's like a G ge- an ag- absolute genius for 10 to 15 years, and then just like, yeah, I'm cool playing greatest hits in my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Ah, uh, you know who's a uh, another man that does this very well? Who's He's, that? Uh, the piano man himself. Yeah. Oh, Billy Joel. He will not tarnish that career. He will not tarnish. Yeah, his that last record. his last album was in nineteen ninety three. He will not do it. He he's just like, yeah, uh, I did a really good job, and he's like, I, I don't want to tarnish it at all. So that's why I don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I I respect I respect that because at least his run was longer than Stevie's. Like, because Billy longer, Joel it, was like 42, 43 when he did his last album. It was longer, but it wasn't nearly as good. No. I'm Not a 32 year old white guy, but like, you know, I love Billy Joel. <laughs> I've seen him live twice. Uh, I'm a. Signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Oh, I'm more of a, you know, just. Just the way you are? Yeah. Don't go changing. I love Billy Joel. To try and please me. Summer Highland Falls. I mean, Stevie. Oh, Billy Joel is the best, man. I'm an idiot. I just made the Stevie Wonder joke. <laughs> you guys are talking about Billy Joel. Jesus. Talk about both. Yeah, I know. Oh. What are you going to do? I'm out of it. Guys. Yeah. Guys. What are you guys listening to right now? I. What's your... Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder? Really? like nuts i can't stop which ones the the five big ones it's not even that it's just like a real hard obsession and focus on talking book in particular and um inner visions after that yeah um talking book is just blowing my mind like i really discovered that record this like i listened to that record so many times before this year but this year for some reason it was just like every song hit me different and like awesome like uh the Jeff Beck solo on uh, uh, "Looking for Another Pure Love" yeah. like is one of the most insane guitar solos I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it really, just popped out to me like this year, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's the most insane guitar solo that guitar heads don't even know about. Like you know what I mean? Blow by blow, Jeff Beck, get into I, it. 
I gotta check it out. Ugh. I gotta check it out. You oh, gotta. He plays. He plays two Stevie Wonder songs on that album. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, two. And he plays a McCartney song I... too. You know what? To be fair, though, I will say that Luke and I had a very disappointing Jeff Beck experience. Oh, well, we yeah, saw him he... live when he was like sixty-three years old. Yeah, we got burnt yeah. so bad wearing his like yeah. his cut-off shirt. Hey, buddy, and guy, his, and his Fingerless gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was not good. It wasn't great. Buddy Guy killed it, but because Buddy Guy opened for him. But oh, he's uh, a also, also Jeff, yeah. I I don't own the, the Temptations record you were specifically talking about, but I did own uh, Masterpieces, uh, which was produced by. Can you throw out that producer's name because I know you know it, uh, Norman Norman Whit- Whitfield. Yeah, Norman Whitfield. That's what it was. I knew what it was. Um, and I listened to that album, Masterpieces, which is essentially like the Temptations are only on it for like 10 minutes of the whole record. Mm. <laughs> and it's all like heavy production and it's pretty dope. And I was really into it. So thank you for uh, kind of shouting me, shouting me in the psychedelic Temptations. Of course, Psychedelic Shack. Yeah, that's the early one. This is the last record in that um, like trilogy of like okay. psychedelic soul records. And this one is the most extreme, like production wise, <laughs> because there's almost no vocal on it at all. It's like a it's like a Funk Brothers solo record. It's, it's just really for them dope. to like dance and like twirl their hands in front of. Absolutely, man! Check it out. It's called Masterpieces. I'll check it. And the cover is um, them like carved in stone. <laughs> oh, nice! It's so pretentious too. Uh, Norman Whitfield has his name on the cover, like on the front. Like cover. Norman Whitfield presents. Yep, nice. produced by right I love at the bottom. That. So, I respect cool. it. Nice, good choices to start off the new year. Yeah, so that's what I've been into. Heavy, in, heavy into the soul. Nice. Also, Mike. Sorry, I got one more. Yeah. Uh, Michael got me a dope, uh, like a deluxe 60th anniversary re- uh, reissue of uh, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. Nice. And I've been, oh, I've been diving so deep into that. Oh record. yeah, how was? How is that? Because that's got like the outtakes in it and everything. I was, I meant to ask you about. Yeah, that. it's really awesome. I've listened to it a ton so far. It's one of my favorite records. That like you know, I didn't have a copy of Giant Steps, so uh, but I borrowed Mike's many time. But it was really great to now have my own copy, and I've spun it a ton this year. Paul cool Chambers, oh, Mr. PC on bass. Oh, dude, let me just say, man, I I love John Coltrane so much. Like I've talked about it before. I mean, we've we've all shared, you know, we've shared our adoration for him. But man, I just I don't know. Yeah, great artist, incredible. Giant Steps, especially that the the opening track. Those dude, it's it it blew my mind. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Blew my mind. Great great track, great track, and uh, the liner notes for that record are great too because it made me notice like the piano player on the track Giant Steps is like bumbling to keep up the whole time oh yeah and he could barely like figure out what to play and like once you hear somebody say it i wouldn't have known that but now that i hear it you kind of hear it and you're like man this is so cool like it's so like on the cutting edge of what jazz was at the time and oh yeah because the i can't who's who's the pianist on that um what's his name it's uh oh man i know what it is too shit i know i'm like my cedar walton and winton kelly plays on a track or two yeah winton kelly plays on one track that was the one i was gonna throw out yeah but dude yeah it's crazy when you hear that like that he was really just kind of like oh here we go (laughs) yeah 
super fast. Well, hang on tight. Great, great baseline. There's a very cool if if Coltrane is something that you are interested in, uh, then I would say that go to YouTube because somewhere on there, if you just type in like John Coltrane Giant Steps, like circle of fifths or something like that. Like it'll actually break down. It breaks yes, down. I've seen that video. What makes giant steps so unique and like how he like, cause I think if I'm not, if, okay. It, I confused. No, can, I confused. Can, I, can I speak to this real fast? Cause I kind of, yeah, I can please. like do like yeah, a, yeah. a version for people that don't know what they're talking about. Cause I don't know what I'm talking about, but I read about it in the liner notes. Um, he was reading musical structures, like books about musical structure and chord theory. And he really almost like, I forget the, who the composer is, but there's a certain composer that goes with like that song. And there's an example in a certain book that John Coltrane was reading and giant steps is almost the complete chord change example of this musical scale or this musical, uh, what do I want to say device? You know what I'm saying? So right. you can like almost you can trace it back to the book that he was reading. It's like, oh yeah, it's that example in this book by that guy. You know what I mean? Right, so right. It's very interesting, but it also shows like how studious he was, and it's a very interesting record. And it was very fun to like dive deep into the liner notes of that record because they were done very well. Yeah, so thank you, Michael. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, you, much- that YouTube yeah, video, I think, course, it was, I think it's Vox or something like that. Put it out, oh, and it has Vox, yeah. not the not the amp company, but like a different YouTube page. And it has yeah. uh, visual diagrams with color coded around the circle of fifths and stuff. It's that's a really informative video. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really yeah. cool. It's definitely worth watching. And then, if you get into that algorithm, there's other there's other uh, videos about Coltrane mm-hmm. and just like his knowledge of music theory and the the way that he used everything. I mean, it's just like he he was one who was an absolute like. For me, Coltrane was crazy. Is he's he's like the epitome of like when the rubber hits the road. Is that like mm-hmm. a? What I mean by that is like he is so brilliant in terms of his understanding of just how music works on a theory aspect, but he's also so spiritually connected to the music as well. So it's like you get the both of both the best of both worlds with him, like because you can get the sort of like you get the you get the Sam and the Dave. Yeah, you get well. Yeah, man, it's like you get the you get the the mathematical aspect of it, but then you also get the like the transcendental, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know what I mean. I mean, and he's not for everybody. I know that like Coltrane isn't for everybody, but but check it out. He's brilliant. So anyway, yeah. What do you guys? That's a good way to start off the year. What do you guys got? Um, I've been listening to this. Uh, a uh, band called In the Pines. Oh, no. I, th- I, I think I talked to you about them too, Luke. Probably. I was talking to Jeff about them earlier. It's an album called Slow Blink. Yeah, it was that. Remember, I was telling you about it, it was that album that kind of sounds a little bit King Tough. Oh, yeah, okay. No, a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I know the exact album you're so talking about. It's like garagey, stonery type of rock music. Yeah, yeah sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like dreamy. It's a little popish. It's a little, it's got a little bit of riffage. It's got a little bit of the, you know, kind of atmosphere qualities to it and stuff but yeah it's it's really good slow blink is the name of the album by the band in the pines um that's kind of been i haven't really been listening to much music to be honest with you guys i mean i'm trying to think oh i listened to a um an album that luke got me (laughs) which was that pink floyd album oh yeah how'd that sound i got like a pink floyd bootleg yeah it was cool 
But I will say this. Horribly recorded. You could, poor, I won't say, I won't say horribly recorded. I'll say This was 1977, poorly. you said? This was 1977. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, because it was like I think in the flesh was it? tour they were after animals. No, it's uh, it's the anim- Yeah, that tour after animals. Yeah. Yep, in the flesh tour, and it's uh, a complete version of uh, wish you were here. Wish you were here. Yeah, they played wish you were here. In Did its you entirety. wish you were there? To be fair, no. not really. <laughs> not really. It's not great. There's a lot of moments. It's it's great because it's not great though. Let me just let me just clarify because like yeah. as a musician too, like it's the same way in which I love Hendrix's like sloppiest live cuts. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just it marks because you love because I love Pink Floyd so much. It just mar it's a very defining moment, I think, because like to me what I heard is I heard a band of four members who don't speak to each other. Oh, so it was like it was cool because it was so like it was just a moment in time kind of thing. Yeah, well, and they it's didn't. so you they can all hear have, how they were literally in separate tour buses. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and it tra- you can hear it in the music. The music just sounds disjointed, like disconnected yeah. and disjointed, and it sounds like the four of them aren't getting mm-hmm. on. Like, it's so that's what I mean. Like, it's it's it was interesting. Like, there's moments where there's where where you I think it's you know it's because because Richard Wright would also do some of the harmonies, but Roger Waters and then David Gilmore, and they're going for notes, dude, and they can't hit them. <laughs> oh. They're, they're like missing and overshooting like notes and like kind of coming up, coming flat on notes and stuff like that when they actually go to sing and do harmonies. And that and was shit. their like, first so big stadium tour. So it was probably terrible, like monitors and like they probably couldn't hear anything anyway. Right, right. So it's just, it's definitely, it's, I, I absolutely love it because it's so <laughs> like bizarre, bizarre and strange and like a version of Pink Floyd that you're like, oh shit. Cause like that's the thing, man. Like you watch live in Pompeii. You know, they're doing echoes. That's around the metal era. Yeah. That's around, you know what I'm saying? But, like, to hear them in, like, 1977, where it's like, yeah, this band is now turning into, like, just this monster, giant dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know? I kind of felt the same way, because I love bootlegs. I bought, like, a Stones one from the 80s. I think I talked about it, early, like, earlier this year on the podcast, or last year, rather. And uh, I felt the same way. Like, I was, like, so excited to listen to it, and then I listened to it, and then some parts I was just like, is this solo ever going to go anywhere or end? Like it was, yeah, yeah I was just like, God, please yeah, yeah. someone. But again, though, you, but you appreciate it, right? Cause it's like, yes. like you said, it's like a moment in time. Yes, but as, like, but oh, then I at the it. end, like there was like some points in the set where you get like, maybe like, you're like, oh, maybe that's the best version of that stone song. Like still, you know what I mean? Right, you're right, like, right, right. Oh, it's that glimmer. I don't know. It's that glimmer of hope. And everything. I'll tell you what though, man, on that Floyd album, Fucking for no bullshit, Roger Waters on bass holding it down. Yeah, holding it down. Like in terms of his bass playing, holding it down. Well, I'm I'm ex- I was glad I'm glad Gilmore was kind of the upset. They had Snowy White that- too in that band for that tour, right? I'm not sure. I didn't really look like into what the I thought he was, was with them for that tour. He was because he played bass on like the animal tracks that Gilmore played in the studio the bass part and he also plays rhythm guitar but he was one of their friends another guitarist multi-instrumentalist from england with the great name yeah. snow snowy white snowy yeah, white I, baby yeah i assume that's a tour he was on because he was he did a tour with them as a full band and i maybe richard wright toured with them oh no yeah he toured with them for yeah. the wall too but i don't know yeah. either way 
Well, yeah. I'm glad you guys but, have a fun listen, Michael. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I know. Uh, oh, I definitely enjoyed it, man. It is sitting very happily in my in my Pink Floyd record uh, collection chunk. I know Michael enjoys the uh, sometimes enjoys the bootlegs like I do. I'm a bootleg maniac. I can't get yeah. Can't Luke's get the enough. Luke's the bootleg guy. I can't get enough. I can. Yeah, I need I need some decent like recording. Like I need some quality recording to enjoy things. Sometimes it depends, though. It depends if it's. I have I have like one by the band, and Mike knows this one I have, and it's so horrible yeah. to listen to, but I listen to it like all the time because it's so good. <laughs> like I don't even care. Is that the fake and Albert Hall think... one? That one sounds no. good though. Oh, that one sounds good. Yeah. No, no, I have uh, one from the yeah. band that's called uh, "What You Want, Mama." It's live in Cleveland. Oh, it's so dope. But it's like that. But see, it sounds it's like upsetting. It <laughs> well, that's the problem though, because it's like, especially when it's like a really, really good band, and then the recording quality sucks. It's almost like I get frustrated because I'm just like, "Fuck, man, I want this to be good." So, like, I want the quality to be good so I can really just imagine it that it's quality, like the 1920s. You know? That's what I do. It's, it... I I just like I don't even care. I'm just like so happy to hear it. Like I don't like. There's a Black Sabbath one. 19 it's the earliest recording of black sabbath that exists 1969 is recorded on a real real tape in the back of the hall it sounds horrible it cuts out i listen to the whole thing and it's like an hour and a half long like it's horrible but i listen to the Luke, whole thing can i can i just tell you i also have good news for you for the year of 2021 oh. so for to a company that crazy fucking paranoid box set you got they're doing a volume four box set i will not be purchasing the volume four box set as there are oh come on listen hear me out there are no complete live shows and that's what i'm all about there's no complete live shows in no, that there's one? live snippets and outtakes and i'm like i don't want i hate i hate records i hate bonus tracks I hate. To be fair, Volume Four had a long had I think the longest track listing, right? I don't know. Volume Four had a lot of had a lot of songs on it. I don't think in comparison to like say, you know, one through three. I don't like like bonus discs with like three live tracks. The B side, I hate it so much. I like. Yeah. I just want a B sides record. Like make me a cool personalized B side records, uh, a la or whatever the Who's uh, odds and sods. Or like you know, get out of there. I don't want it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, well, Jeffrey. Anyway, now that we've long-windedly talked about bootlegs and everything else, what have you been listening to, sir? Uh, I've been listening to a bunch. Uh, my 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 goal this year is to make my listening habits fifty percent Fiona Apple, fifty percent ABBA. I'm trying to like hit those too hard. <laughs> Really? Okay, I hear you because I'm going to Stevie Wonder train with that. So, um, so I've I've been listening to the extended like Ultimate ABBA Gold album, which you know the original ABBA Gold was like their 20 biggest hits, and this one I think has like 63 hits. So I'm starting with oh, that, geez. and then I'm gonna like deep dive into the albums and like get into the like hidden tracks because I love ABBA. I love the story behind them. You know, I like I love the fact that they ended up being two married couples. And I like the fact that they were pretty much like a decade straight run. And then they just called it quits. Probably cause probably cause they, they both, you know, both couples got divorced and they probably hated each other. So like, it's probably not a good ending, but um, I love ABBA and I grew up on that. My, my mom especially really loves that music. So I'm trying to get back into that childhood frame of mind, listen to that. And, you know, my queen, Fiona Apple, really getting deep into all of her stuff since Fetch the Bolt Cutters coming out last year. 
and I'm always playing her stuff, but I'm trying to give title a lot more play, which is her first album. It's the one I probably listen to the least. Um, but yeah, so all five Fiona Apple albums I've been listening to a lot of, and I've been listening to jazz. We talked about Coltrane earlier. I've been listening to my favorite jazz pianists, not keyboardists. Cause if you talk about keyboardists, you would include Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea, but these are all acoustic piano players. And those are, I'll tell you who they are and maybe an album or two to listen to from each. Bill Evans, Evans. Pure, pure <laughs> Class, Listen to Sunday at the Village Vanguard and Waltz for Debbie. Both albums were recorded on the same afternoon. Errol Garner, who is stylistically maybe my favorite pianist. He is like all fun and he does all this lavish kind of playing. Check out his compilation album called Ready Take One. It's all first takes of songs that he recorded in the late 60s through like 1971. And he kind of like hums and like to the background of the tracks. And that's trio too. That's, um, you know, piano, upright bass and drums. The third is the poppiest of these five guys. And that's Vince Guaraldi, who is the, the oh, pianist the behind the Charlie Brown's specials. So the Charlie Brown Christmas, the Halloween one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, check out his album called Jazz Impressions of Black Orpheus, which mixes in like samba type of playing and Brazil Brazilian inflected music. Uh, the fourth is Ahmad Jamal, who is like the most delicate and conscientious player, I guess I would say. He is like all twinkle toe, twinkle fingers up on the high register. It's beautiful. Uh, the album to check out for Ahmad Jamal would be Live at the Pershing which is from like 1958 or 59. And then the fifth mm. is like my wild card, but I think you always got to throw in there Thelonious Monk, who's like the madman of jazz piano. Oh yeah. And there's a, he went through tons of different styles and eras, but I would just start with uh solo monk, which is just him. It's no, it's no drums, no bass uh, solo monk. It's like the cover is him like f- flying an airplane or something. So yes, Bill exactly Evans, Errol Garner, Vince Guaraldi, <laughs> Ahmad Jamal, and Thelonious Monk. I, I started playing those guys, uh, leaving my New Year's Eve hangout, and I'm trying to like pepper in at least 15 minutes of one of those guys every day. Because it's, I think, piano trio jazz music is like, my, sets me at like neutral. Like it just kind of starts off my day well. And it always like calms me down and always just gives me clarity and, and good energy and all that. And then uh, the last thing I'll talk about is a contemporary album that I discovered uh, three-ish days ago by Dirty Projectors, which is this band that's a project of Dave Longstreth that's been going on for like 15 years. And they're an indie band that mixes in folk, jazz, pop type of everything their style is most reminiscent of mid to late 70s Joni Mitchell music so like her albums uh Hissing of Summer Lawns and Hygiera and Mingus and Court and Spark where it's just folk and pop and jazz all melded together um the Dirty Projectors album that came out last year it's actually 
it's released now. It's on Spotify. It's called Five EPs. But that's because they released five EPs throughout last year. And I love it because the band has kind of mixed in a dozen to 15 members over the last 15 years. But in the past year and a half or so, they added three female singers and multi-instrumentalists into the band. So it's Dave Longstreth on vocals and a little bit of everything, guitar, bass, keys, uh, Mike Johnson on drums, and then these three singers, multi-instrumentalists, uh, Maya Friedman, Felicia Douglas, and Kristen Slip. Check out uh, their Tiny Desk concert. They've done two with that lineup. It's just great, man. These five EPs are awesome because each EP is four tracks, and each EP features one of those vocalists with harmonies by additional people. But like the first one, Windows Open, is Maya Friedman on all the lead vocals. The second one, and that's like very folky music. The second one, Flight Tower, is Felicia Douglas on lead vocals. And that's like futuristic, kind of like glitchy soul music. The third is called Super Joao, and that is Dave Longstreth on vocals. And that's like lo-fi acoustic music. It sounds like he was the only one involved in that EP. The fourth EP is called Earth Crisis, which is Kristen Slip on lead vocals. And she's singing over these tracks that they put together like seven or eight years ago that are all orchestral music tracks. So it's very interesting. Then the fifth is called Ring Road. And that is all four of those singers taking turns and doing, you know, different lines here and there on on all the songs. And that one uh, features a lot more of the drumming from Mike Johnson. So Dirty Projectors, five EPs. Check that out. Give it a whirl. It's a little bit of everything. And check out their two Tiny Desk concerts. Because, I mean, to me, man, the human voice is my favorite instrument. And when you have four people in a five-person group who are singing harmonies and lead vocals, it's like the best thing in the world to me. Right on, man. Yeah, man. Nice. Well, there you have it. Welcome 2021 happy new year it's gonna be a good year happy new year to everyone i think it's gonna be a good year uh hopefully at some point in the near future the three of us can actually get into a room together again yeah, that'd be exciting music. and play some music and maybe actually record a podcast in person that'd be very exciting yes instead of this remote stuff you know it's but working you gotta, out though do we're it. doing it's what just, we can it's the times yeah absolutely also quickly since this is actually going to be released tonight uh, Jeff, you have a new project going underway. If you want to throw that out there. I do. I have a new podcast. It's a Spotify exclusive, so I can pepper in some music when I want to. It's called What Do You Love About Music? The premise is taken from one of the last lines in the 2000 movie Almost Famous, where the character William Miller, the teenage reporter for Rolling Stone magazine, he finally gets to sit down and in, uh, interview Russell Hammond, the guitar player from Stillwater. And what he asks him when he turns on his recorder is, so Russell, what do you love about music? And the response, which I love, is, well, to begin, everything. So this is a podcast where it's going to be a yeah. one-on-one interview. I have t- a series of 10 questions I'm going to be asking each guest that cover uh, all aspects of music in their life, from their earliest memories to what they currently enjoy to what their hopes for music in the future are. And the teaser trailer is up right now on Spotify. 
So check that out. It's a little two-minute introduction I did. And episode one is going to be dropping this Wednesday. And guest number one will be my man, Mike. And guest guest number two will be next week. Me. My man, Lukey. So check that out on Spotify. (laughs) What do you love about music? I'm really excited. Uh, Jeff sent me like some of the questions he was going to ask, and it really got me excited because it really made me think about uh, some of uh, some a lot of stuff I haven't thought about in a really long time, and why I like it so much. And I think it's uh, same here. I think it's going to prompt some great responses from um, you know some people, and I really am uh, excited because uh, I feel like Jeff is a great person to be asking these questions. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, nice. So it's called once What again, Do You Love About Music? What do you love about music? And you can find Spotify it on exclusive. Instagram. It's on Instagram. Spotify on Instagram is WDYLA Music. Twitter, WDYLA Music. All right. Right on. Well, happy, happy New, New Year, Year, guys. Happy. We will talk soon. Until next week. Until next week. <laughs> Until next week. I've been Mike, Jeff, and Jeff. Take care, guys. We love you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Make sure to share, like, and subscribe to the Get in the Garage podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and a bunch more. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or email us directly at getinthegaragepodcast at gmail.com for any questions or topics you might like to hear us cover. Thanks again, guys. See you next time. Get in the garage.